Hey, good afternoon, good evening, good morning. Another word of Gord, another podcast. Continuing on from our previous episode, the uh, interaction with uh, John Mack and the initial chat with uh, Galactic Central. I shall continue on. In that experience, that out-of-body experience, that projection of consciousness, I expressed the desire to encounter a being from galactic headquarters. Pretty quickly a response came. They're all too busy, but I have been assigned as a representative for this focus level. How can I assist you? Doesn't that sound very human? I wanted to know why Galactic Central or whatever it was known as was actually necessary. Was it? Your question is noted and answered thusly. The members of the Galactic Central, as you call it, concern themselves not with the dull administrative chores you may be imagining, but with balancing the needs of various planetary cultures, assuring that the squabbles do not get out of hand. Squabbles such as mineral rights on your planet, which many extraterrestrials, as you call them, seem to regard as their own. I thanked the him or her for the example, as it seemed very apt. Did they continue their mining activities, convinced we were so stupid that we deserved the exploitation? Some of them, apparently, yes. And some of them, while not dismissing us or interfering with our evolution, saw their own need as supreme and calculated that certain elements on Earth were so abundant that we could easily spare some. Uh, Do I have the knowledge to comment on that? No, not really. I had to admit that this sounded very human in its reasoning. I thought, hmm, the cosmic beggar meets the rapacious capitalist? Hmm. The galactic central bureaucrat partially concurred. That was nice of him. Her. Post-facto rationalization has a very broad usage, it would seem. I expressed a certain skepticism as regards the value of the debating process at galactic level. Physically alive humans were being encouraged to participate, yes, but other than a sense of belonging, I wondered what good, if any, that might do. The sense of belonging was, in fact, the whole point of the exercise. I was told humans need to know. I was told they need to have a seat at the table. They need to know that. They've got one now. They, that's we, that's us. (laughs) If they remembered to show up, I added, well, yes, that could be a problem. Will the humans needing to know stage last for some years to be then replaced with the few humans who actually care to participate stage? That's something along the lines of what we were envisioning. Hmm. I asked about members of the planetary hierarchy, such as Jesus, Buddha, Maitreya, Saint-Germain. Would they be participating? 
Yes, they and their assistants are intimately involved, as you perhaps might have guessed. I asked if issues were decided without any human participation. Well, the hierarchy was human after all, even if they were graduated members. And he suspected that I myself had more than once sat in the visitor's gallery. This shocked me until I recalled portraying the very situation fictionally and wondering where exactly I got the idea. He then diplomatically implied that if I wanted to overcome my visitor on the periphery status, I would have to develop a much more continuous sense of consciousness, one that would not be periodically obliterated by sleep. I knew this to be true and took my lumps like a man. Continuity of consciousness is something all us aspirants strive for. And let's admit it, very few achieve. That pearl beyond price, knowing where you are at all hours of the day and night, knowing where all of you is, not just some of you. I thank the galactic representative for his efforts and he sort of dwindled away down to a dot and then disappeared. Ah, I tasted my humility for a while and then perhaps to reassert my status among the righteous, put out a call for one of the greys involved in the hybrid breeding program. As I waited for a response, I wondered how John Mack was doing, but my intuition said, oh, just fine. A being that looked more like a Nordic than a grey appeared in front of me, beaming with a brew of authority, nobility, charm and pride. Well, something like that. Certainly no shame, which is perhaps what I was expecting, or even worse, hoping for. I'm here to represent the greys, he telepathed, and I can see you are one of the old human souls who resent the greys initiative as a betrayal of some kind. The greys and the reptilians at least as of 2003, 2004, when I was doing this, were something of an abomination to me. I'd seen too much traumatized humans, uh, terrified to go to sleep in case they get abducted again. Um, I find that argument specious, the reptilians and the greys, that is. Their ways deceptive and manipulative and their perceived goals repulsive. This notion that they hold up the human dark side to the mirror of conscience, and it's the worst kind of retroactive rationalization, worthy of perhaps only, well, you know, those German guys from 60 years ago. The ones that we, you know, rather not talk about anymore. You would excuse the ongoing human practice of economic slavery, he uh, pushed me. Our sins and shortcomings are no concern of yours and using them to justify your continued rape of innocence in pursuit of the physical immortality you lust after is a habit worthy only of the dark brothers you serve. And you can see I had a bit of an attitude back then. You yourself have honored the divine role of the rebel angels. Well, they serve the polarity created by the law of free will, yes, and they do it well. But the beings you administer serve only their self-interest and the damage they inflict in the process will take incarnations to heal. Not if they forgive, as your prophet Jesus suggests. None of this supposed forgiveness 
I retorted, would be necessary if you and your kind had not initiated the process in the first place. You would rather the grace had died out for lack of a heart chakra and the DNA it implies? In a word, yes, species die out continually, especially when they fulfilled their potential and served their purpose. It's no great loss. Their spirits can always incarnate in some other life stream. You would condemn them then to extinction? I would suggest that they taste the karma of their own actions made so long ago instead of deferring their fate with genetic experimentation. You are cruel, sir. You show no compassion. I fight fire with fire and I speak with the wrath of the righteous. Compassion is received only when it is deserved. Compassion is always deserved. You demean the spiritual laws of this planet when you speak from cynical self-interest and I dismiss you from my presence. With this he faded, but I knew my victory was hollow. Even though I strongly suspected in my deepest of intuitions, the greys had left this planet Earth when the going got rough thousands of years ago. Their perceptions of our heart chakra creating the passions and aggressiveness that make us defensive of our ego and our sovereignty and make us fight and kill each other were accurate but only partial. The heart chakra does many things. It empowers our love of each other and our love of our children and grandchildren which obviously continue the species but it makes for a very rough, aggressive, warlike life for hundreds, if not thousands of years. But they are one and the same. The heart chakra does all of that. It powers all of it. The love and the defensiveness and the struggle for power. Power to protect your own family, your own tribe, your own nation. So they left, they bred out their heart chakra, and look what happens. They're dying out, and they need our DNA to survive. So they left for some intellectual, non-emotional hive consciousness where there was no disagreement, where everyone fell in line with every decision. Sounded like a good idea, but they avoided the struggle that we put up with for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And now they come back and they want the benefits of our struggle. They want our DNA so that they won't die out. When did I realize this? When I read the accounts of abductees having to nurture and coddle these droopy, drippy little babies that couldn't hold their heads up because the greys didn't understand how to do it. Now ask yourself, who would not understand, who would not get the importance of nurturing babies? Think about it. So anyway, that was my attitude at the time, but much has happened since then. We are now uh, 2020, 21, 22. 
hearing many reports from hybrids themselves, physically incarnate hybrids, their parents, their relatives, their friends, and the abductees who no longer seem to be traumatized, who seem to have accepted their fates, understood their fates. So perhaps my uh, anger of the time was a misplaced, and perhaps it's of no use anymore. But I felt it at the time. I certainly did. And I still think they took the easy way out. Oh, that plan is too rough. Let's go somewhere else easy. <laughs> Let's take a holiday from Earth and come back when we want to use what they have struggled to develop and grow. The all powerful heart chakra. So I knew my victory was hollow even then. The hybrid breeding program was so advanced by that point even into its third generation, at least as far as I could tell, that there was literally no turning back. Whether the hybrids would survive the vibrational increase of the ascension process remained to be seen. And at that point, I doubted that many physically human alive humans would not survive it either. It was all that talk about back then of uh, creating an alternate earth for those who wish to stay on the third dimension and not move to the fifth. I don't hear much talk of that anymore in 2021, but I'm, I'm sure it's around. Also, there was no forgetting Daryl Anka's channeled entity, Bashar. Don't forget, this is early days of internet. Bashar was not the popular star he is now. Bashar, whose authoritative utterances and wit I heard at a crop circle conference in Glastonbury some years after maybe meeting Montague Keane, the uh, chap mentioned in the first half of this, uh, this podcast, who met up with uh, John Mack and brought him to a meeting, a, uh, a seance type meeting. He claimed to be one of the human gray hybrids, that's Bashar, traveling backwards in time for 400 years in the future to tell us amongst other things, the experiment had finally succeeded. Yes, now that was a crop circle conference with, you know, maybe 100, 150 people in the audience. Um, it was quite a shock. <laughs> It's uh, old hat now, but it was uh, a bit of news back then. So then I put a thought out for John Mack. He appeared smiling. Well, wasn't this also fascinating, he seemed to be saying. His colleagues in abduction research would just be amazed, wouldn't they? I sensed he wasn't ready to leave, so I reminded him of the moving between focus levels uh, ability, the methodology, and I bade him a fond farewell, and off he went. Then, uh, being as I was uh, confident and playful in my out-of-body experiences in those days, I expressed an intent to meet up with Betty and Barney Hill, those early abductees from, what, 1959, 1960? I asked for the, the guides to help out. Uh, their response was, no, Gordon, you can do this yourself. There was a lot of that back then, me asking for help and the guys going, nah, we're not going to help you, do it yourself. <laughs> it 
always like being thrown in the deep end when you want to be uh, this humble uh, helper guy. Uh, so I, I execute a desire to find them, and sure enough, I do. First of all, Barney, and he's in a lovely garden. And he goes to a side door and calls to Betty. Uh, along the lines of, hun, there's someone here to see you. Barney feels almost automatically that folk always want to see Betty first and foremost. I just kind of sussed that out right away. Is this the result of being black in America in the 50s or merely a personal reclusiveness? I'm not sure. Betty seems, if not exactly feeble, then not exactly vibrant either. Still attached to our old lady persona from Earth. We all sit in the garden and begin conversing. Barney's been here a while, of course, many years, but Betty just a week Earth time. So he's the one with the answers. He's had the time to reflect, meditate, and check soul files, as it were. That's the Akashic Records to you. Well, at least I think he had time. I was never exactly sure, you know, didn't want to push it. Because a lot of people that are, you know, retain their Christian faith, they're not quite ready to check the Akashic Records and all that past life stuff. Some are, some aren't. Yes, they'd agreed to the abduction situation before birth, he told me. They'd known each other in 19th century America and had an international, interracial romance then, one that had not worked out too well. And they were convinced by guides to act it out again, partly to give a chance to those who oppressed them before, just so they could make amends, and partly as an example to 20th century America. Betty's glad to be in heaven. Earth had shown her all it could, she felt. She was a tired, tired of her old body. Plus, she'd been longing for Barney, her soulmate. Been longing for so long, it had become a bad habit. She feels as if she's waking up from a long sleep, she tells me. It's not being in heaven, it's being back in heaven. That's what it feels like. Barney had been preparing this house for her for ages, and he sure had a lot of fun doing it. Being able to choose exactly what you want for the house and garden without worrying about the cost kind of gives you a new lease on life, as if he didn't have one already. He's been creating some things with his mind, but also receiving all sorts of items from the local craftspeople hereabouts. They make such lovely and unique pieces and are so glad to let you have them, it seems a shame to disappoint them. The delicacy and intricacy of the hand carving alone is marvelous. Both Betty and Barney are quiet while the other is speaking, unlike some couples who excitedly interrupt each other all the time. Betty asks what my purpose is. I tell them about my contacts and my retrieval work and my habit of posting the results on the internet. Yes, just doing the posting so that others may learn and understand. Betty asks if I'm a spirit guide. My answer is, well, sometimes. I ask how they feel about their interactions with aliens now. Well, Barney's glad it's over. He wants a normal life now, and so far he's had one. The joys of church and community life without the stress of economic and social conflicts are almost more than he could have hoped for. 
and now that Betty's here, well, he has everything a man could want. They smile at each other with the warmth I would expect. I sense they've discussed religious and spiritual matters already, but are not about to expound on them for me, unless I corner them with questions. Having experienced the doubt-fringed exaltations of church folk on the astral before, I'm happy to let that be. They have to discover for themselves that heaven actually lies beyond this paradise. Likely, and likely there's no point in me giving them a pep talk about it. No, not really. Betty says she's thinking over all her alien experiences and even recalling more now that she's here. Barney says they planned it out before they were born, and that may be so, but she has to recover that memory for herself. I thank them for their time and ask if I might talk about our meeting on the radio this coming weekend on a show that's devoted to the alien and UFO experience. They both give their assent and ask that their best wishes be passed along. Tell them things are just wonderful here and that I'm doing just fine. That's Betty, and Barney smiles and nods in agreement. I walk out of the garden on their sight lines before disappearing. Now that radio show I was on, that was a regular for a couple of years for me. Unfortunately, its days have passed, its glory days have passed, and uh, the host has uh, moved on to heaven himself. And uh, let me wonder about what we can do about that. Somebody is coming in, and I'm not sure who it is. It's uh, a knock on the door, but I will continue. A few days earlier, after the last contact above suggested to me by Toronto radio host Earl Bruce Knapp on hearing of my John Mack contacts, I was preparing supper at home when I felt the presence of my dear mother and father, my mother who had passed just a few weeks before. As I still seemed to be clairsentient as opposed to clairvoyant, there was no vision as such, nothing like the sights claimed by those reporting recent deceased loved ones standing at the bottom of the bed, smiling and waving hello. Only a strong sense of their presence. Mother seemed bubbly and excited, perhaps merely because she'd finally had the courage to come. <laughs> it would certainly be no big deal for my father at this point, as he'd passed decades before decades 40 she seemed giddy with the idea of surprising me my son the medium father had likely shown her the ropes travel wise and after a dozen false starts they'd made it oh i could just see it as i'd been experiencing an intriguing dissonance the previous few weeks rather sour disconnect between the me that is the psychic explorer and the me that is the grieving son, this little jolt was just what the doctor ordered. So I played along with their sense of fun, making the kind of small talk you might expect. Nancy was in full teasing mother mode, as well as out of the sick old lady stuff I'd been seeing on my earlier contacts. 
Um, yes, she'd uh, taken her uh, Dementia across the border with her and was in a uh, Dementia and cancer, I might add, uh, was in an astral plane nursing home where they played right into her illusions about her illness until she allowed herself to recover. This was certainly a treat and a fine way to bring this volume to a close. That's uh, more adventures in eternity. It's been an astonishing journey from apprenticeship to Henry to a full-fledged explorer status. Unwrapping the package of my very own enigma continues to be a boundary-busting exercise in seductive enticement. Just this week, I made a soul contact for a man in Mexico and performed a spirit releasement for a woman in Los Angeles. Strangers write an email to report how thrilled they are with my new released eternal life and how to enjoy it. That's always a pleasure. Growth is endless. Now I see. But I can also see that I can put the brakes on anytime I choose. That life eternal is experienced by me as Gordon through the retrievals, explorations, and mergings you have heard described continues to be such a challenge and excitement that the thought of breaking even only for a moment, or a breather if you like, seems kind of boring. Why bother? And so as I continue to blend with the me on other levels, I absorb at least some of their higher vibrations, and I can feel myself here speeding up. Perhaps it is all part of the ascension process, personally retooled for me, or Gordon, as he calls himself. Meanwhile, the planet reverberates with violent upheavals, all those violent upheavals of fear and anger. Ideologies scream their certainties at each other as governments wallow in electoral deception and cater to their corporate sponsors. That was uh, 17 years ago. Not much has changed, huh? No doubt about it. It's a bitch and there's no end in sight. But at this stage, I do see that suffering is just as joy is. That power dances with its inevitable loss. That the virtues of poverty and wealth compete for the moral high ground. That cultures and species rise and fall. That the design of galaxies equals that of subquantum chaos. That circus that physics, <laughs> physics, physicists love to cackle about. God is everywhere in the design, but only if you want to see him. If you don't care for her brand of imminent divinity, she'll gladly disappear into the cold, purposeless calculations of scientists who see consciousness as a mere epiphenomenon of the bustling computer known as brain. The God in God consciousness is like that, endlessly adaptable to your moment-to-moment -moment needs, appearing and disappearing as your doubt and belief jostle for momentary supremacy. Just like that cat of Mr. Schrodinger's, there and not there simultaneously. Mystical mumbo-jumbo and the meaning of life. Take your pick. I think I know what mine is. Anyway. More contacts with uh, aliens and uh, alien researchers. Still haven't got to the end of it, but maybe that's uh, enough for now. 
uh, do let me know what you think if you're thinking or do let me know what you feel if you're feeling and if you're doing neither well that's just fine too there are no rules there are precious few expectations almost none and nothing but a sense of sharing sharing the knowledge sharing the experience being the cheerleader for your experience let me wish you the blessings of bliss anytime you can reach out and grab it and until next time so long